I want to figure out why we as humans are so illogical about money. Are you missing out on meaningful relationships hidden in your data? Unlock the whole story with ClickSense through personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards, which you can download for free at click.de slash data stories. That's Q-L-I-K dot D-E slash data stories. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Data Stories. Hey Moritz. Hey Enrico. What's going on? Lots of things. Lots of projects. Lots of things? Yeah, lots of yeah. Cool projects. I hope to, I can report more. I'm trying to do something really applied for, a, for the German railway system. So this is what I'm really involved in right now. Wow, sounds juicy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Super technical, but pretty cool. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. So we have episode 100 coming up. This is 99. It's amazing. That's 99. Would, would you have guessed we make it that far? Me not. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How did we get here? What did we do? I don't know. I, I don't remember. <laughs> I sort of blacked out the last 99. Years, so I can't really tell. You have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We stopped. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, we have to memorize all of them, yeah. all the titles. <laughs> no, at least all the all the guests. Yeah, so we will go through all the episodes for sure, <laughs> right? And sort of <laughs> try to collect yeah. some best of. <laughs> and uh, dear listeners, if you have any like favorite episodes or any anecdotes to share, any memorable moments, uh, we made an audio voice box, so um, you can call us and leave us a message. And if it's a good message or a funny one, uh, we might play it on the show or react in some form. <laughs> So uh, that would be super nice. So just call us. The numbers in the show notes and uh, leave us something. Yeah, we're looking forward to your messages. <laughs> That's gonna be fun. So okay, so today we have another very interesting episode. So you may have noticed that here in Data Stories we started discussing lately a little bit more about the role of data visualization in industry and what kind of careers people can have. We had a few debates. I had an interesting discussion with uh, Elijah, and um, so this episode is a little bit of a follow up on that. Um, episode and, and discussions. And uh, we have two very interesting people directly from Capital One. We have Kim Rees. Hey, Kim. Hello. And Steph Hay. Welcome on the show. Hi there. Thanks for having us. So Kim, uh, I guess many of you already know Kim because she's very well known in the area of data visualization. She was previously at Periscopic and now she's a head of data visualization at Capital One. And uh, Steph is uh, her boss and she has a very interesting title. She's the head of content culture and AI design. So uh, Kim and Steph, can you briefly introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about you, what you're doing and all the rest? Sure, Enrico. Thank you for the intro. Uh, so this is Kim Reese. So I'm going to go ahead and start. Uh, so I was just hired uh, literally a month ago here as head of d data visualization at Capital One. It's a brand new role. Uh, I have no idea what it is yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> if I claimed otherwise, I would be foolish. Uh, 
it's it's a new practice that we're building out under design, and it's a really exciting space for the company. And uh, so it's uh, it's situated in design, which I think is unique to a lot of corporate structures. Um, and uh, so, uh, so yeah, so I'm building out a team that will be focusing on bringing data visualization to bear in, in, in across the enterprise, which is how big are we as a company? Forty. Thousand, forty, forty-five thousand-ish. Wow, so that's huge. Yeah. This is, you know, no wow. small, small undertaking. <laughs> <laughs> Scary, <laughs> Steph. Yeah, I'm Steph Hay, and I am. Uh, I have the sheer pleasure of having Kim on the team now. It's um, it's been sort of a wild ride, actually. I joined about two and a half years ago when the design team was about a hundred folks, and we've essentially quadrupled in size. Um, uh, I came out of uh, five years working for myself as an independent content strategist, as a consultant, that is. And then I also was uh, working on a couple startups. Um, and so when I joined the company, it was, you know, fulfilling a lifelong dream of working for a bank. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, that didn't happen. Um, it, was, it was a surprise, though, because this was a place that uh, was moving away from um, uh some of you think, what are the stereotypes of what a bank might be and embracing the technology and the, the data science roots that, that made Capital One, uh, which we can get into a little bit more, and also human-centered design. Um, and in my particular background, being a journalist, I found that um, being able to understand the story and having the facts necessary to tell, um, uh, tell the story and knowing who you're talking to, that all of that was um, really essential to being able to do great design. And fortunately, my um, our, our former former boss, who just recently left the company, um, he agreed. So he said, "Why don't you come start a content strategy practice here in design and find out what the language is that we should be using for talking about money with our customers?" And um, <laughs> and so I did. And over the last couple of years, that's grown to include a lot of cultural aspects of design and uh, a lot of the AI work that we're doing. And um, about a year ago, I think now, I raised my hand and said, hey, man, it would be really great if we could visualize all the conversations that are happening, you know, across our team or the ways that uh, customers really need to be able to see, um, you know, their their finances and their health, but in ways that don't exist already. And this is a discipline and this is this is not me, but this is somebody out there. And um uh, of course, everybody at the company here said, yeah, that sounds exactly like what we need. And so we started looking around for what that might uh, include and found Kim. That's great. So, yeah, I think uh, um, a little bit of behind the scenes here. I think when, when Kim told us that she found a new job, she didn't tell us exactly what this was. <laughs> she was like, you will never imagine what this would be. You can keep trying for days and months. <laughs> <laughs> we made many guesses and didn't even come close. Right? You never yeah. came close. Never came close. <laughs> we we had the wildest guesses and uh, we didn't even get yeah an inch closer. No. <laughs> so Kim, can you tell us a little bit more about how this happened on on your side and uh, yeah, why is having this position exciting? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so. As many listeners might know, uh, they probably know me from my background in Periscopic, where I, I founded, co-founded the company and, and worked for the last 13 years. And I love the work that we were doing. It's very 
mission driven um, and we're doing really interesting projects with great clients, but the the business side of it really caught up with me and became exhausting. And running a services-based company is is challenging to sustain, as many of you know. <laughs> uh, so, and I also was looking to, you know, I, got, I was getting frustrated with having these short-term projects, even if they were long-term, even if they were eight months, it just felt like when I, I really never felt like I was doing justice to the, to the subject matter. And I really recognized at the time that I, I wanted to deep dive into a particular space and, you know, I really wasn't sure what that space was. And so I did a lot of searching around, um, and found Capital One uh, as part of that search. And also, like Steph, it's, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was not my lifelong dream. Either. A lifelong <laughs> dream. <laughs> right, a lifelong dream to work in a bank. Uh, and was very surprised when, when I came here and started talking to people. Uh, and it was, it was fascinating to me, the approach. And again, to go back to how it's oriented in the design department, uh, really struck me as how how they viewed it as a discipline, um, and that's one of the major factors that drew me here because I felt like okay, they this company gets it, it understands it's a it's an actual discipline that needs to be applied to a problem space. It's not just a design that gets slapped on top of data science or or analysis mm-hmm. or what have you. You yeah. know, it was really part of ingrained in their approach to to the entire problem space. So that was really exciting to me. I mean, I can read you from my job description. The opening line is, this role makes data tangible for our company and customers, thereby empowering us all by transforming what's unknown into something that's known. And to me, that's really the crux of what data visualization is. It's uncovering, it's discovering what's what's in that data. It's not applying a, a visual to to the data, it's it's uncovering what's inside the data to make the visual. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always go back to this Michelangelo quote um, that every block of stone has a statue inside it. It's the sculptor's job to uh, discover it. And that may seem grandiose, but that's exactly the way I view data visualization is that you take this gob of data and you start chipping away at it until you discover the form of it and and then the form arises out of the data mm-hmm. and and so is a, an approach that they that capital one now we i keep saying they i have to start saying we can't wait as a company though the approach was and I think throughout design and Steph can speak to this more, but throughout design as as a whole and embracing lots of different disciplines from, you know, content strategy, visual design, UX design, AI design, uh, all of it comes from that critical, you know, problem space, like problem solving aspect of mm-hmm. design, which mm-hmm. I appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, design has, has a bit of tradition also in Capital One. I remember the a few years ago you made big waves with acquiring adaptive path which was probably yeah one of the best design information architecture companies at that time and i think it was also many other companies followed in acquiring design agencies but i think capital one was very early in recognizing that an in-house agency can be super valuable um so looking at data visualization, uh, I mean, there's a million ways or a billion ways probably you can use it inside a inside a bank or like a big digital, <laughs> yeah. you know, financial company. Like, 
do, do you think it will mostly focus on like the product side and the uh, let's say communication side of things or will you also work a lot on internal projects will it be all across the board like how is your your, your what do you think how will your role play out you said already you don't quite know but what's your what's your feeling right right yeah i'm still getting a sense of that still you know getting my you know drinking from the fire hose of what's needed in the company and you know everybody's uh take on that my sense that i'm getting is it's probably about two two thirds internal one third external um you know i think that communication is a big part of what the company wants to do mm -hmm. um you know it's from my job description even focuses on the customer it's a very customer focused company um you know really from you know, not just caring about the customer, but really wanting to change the way people interact with their money, which I think is such a beautiful area to affect lives. And, and it's really ingrained in the company. So I, I know that there will be a portion of, of data viz that comes to bear on that problem space. Mm -hmm. uh, but internally, you know, as with any large corporation, there's tons of work to be done inside to make work more efficient and, and help drive decisions. Yeah, there's um there's certainly no shortage of opportunities for um, this kind of work or any sort of design discipline. But um, you know, Kim already said it that you know really being able to discover, you know, to know what we don't know. Um, there's an appetite here for that because the founder of our company is still our CEO. Mm -hmm. So in mm -hmm. our roots, in our DNA, we have a couple things that make. Um, Capital One and, and respecting these these disciplines uh, pretty unique. Uh, one is that you know the Capital One grew out of our uh, you know, our specific approach to data in being able to model credit risk in a way that we were able to offer products to folks who were otherwise shut out of the market at that time because we we looked at the data in a different light so mm -hmm. to to know something that other companies didn't know um, and in doing so we. We enabled, you know, millions of people to rebuild their credit and actually be able to live their lives doing the things that um, other folks might take for granted, like, you know, someday be able to buy a house, uh, you know, that that's impossible to do without great credit. And it's impossible to build great credit without having somebody give you an opportunity to do that over time. Um And so, you know, our company is built in data science, like our company stands on the shoulders of our data scientists. And, and a second part about that is, again, with our, you know, uh, founder being our CEO, there's an entrepreneurial nature to the company that means folks are curious. And they're actually, um, I mean, this is a big reason why I joined is that when I came in a few years ago to give a talk on content first design, which is what I had been um Uh, talking about on stages at the time, what I'd been practicing to validate a couple business ideas. Um, what what I found from that experience is that the folks I was talking to had energy in their eyes. You know, when you're talking to somebody and you think that this is like, oh, I'm going to go give a talk to the design team at a corporate in a corporate culture, and they're probably just you know an in in house studio, and they're probably just executing on production requests. You know, I was. 100% wrong. I came in and I met people who won't even go to the fidelity of design that they might have been practicing most of their careers until they understand the why, until their curiosity is satisfied 
through the research that this company demands um, that we do, and not just because we're regulated, but because we want to launch unassailable products that uh, really meet people's needs. You can't just do that by creating a bunch of stuff. You have to understand the motivations um, that people have, and especially in such a highly emotional area like money, which is a taboo topic, it's this endless challenge for a designer mind, uh, for lots of kinds of minds, uh, scientists, a whole bunch of different disciplines. But I was struck when I came a couple years ago at how much that DNA of the company, the entrepreneurial nature of the company, the, the curiosity, the drive to understand motivations was part of the work that uh, the design team was doing. And then I uh, realized I wanted to be a part of it enough that I was willing to walk away with from my perfect life uh, where <laughs> <laughs> I had worked really hard to get to with a perfect schedule. And I didn't even own pants that weren't like elastic waist, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but there was people who were way smarter than me and I wanted to be on that team. So, um, so that's sort of just like a, some context about, you know, the opportunity here for data visualization is, uh, we should talk about it because it's a data viz podcast, but uh, it's not <laughs> unique to data viz, right? Mm, it's mm. why a content strategist came. It's why we have user right. research and service mm -hmm. designs, why Adaptive Path said uh, famously in their launch post, there was an alignment of values here. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's unique. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's really interesting. So I'm really curious, Kim. So um, you're known... Um, as maybe others for very like crafty, bespoke, boutique style, you know, <laughs> you very, know, very, yeah, well, very like specific, <laughs> specific work. <laughs> and, and then there's yeah. how, I mean, how do you plan to scale that to 40,000 people? That, that's the one question I really have in mind. <laughs> right. Uh, well, the way I think about it is that, you know, the audience for the bespoke work was always huge anyway. You know, it was, we might be designing it for a small firm or, you know, a company that it's focused specific on, specifically on one area and it's very well crafted to that, to that space. But, you know, the audience for that, the people using the, the tool that we made or, or learning about the subject matter through the visualization we made, those audience are huge. You know, mm, those mm. audiences are, are huge and, uh, so I see it in the same way in that, that the, the people using these data visual, visualizations, uh, internally, uh, they'll actually be probably smaller audiences. And that's one of the appealing things to me is because you can get right into the, the problem better because you're sitting side by side with people who are trying to solve the problem. Right. And they're, that's their career is trying to solve this problem mm -hmm. or trying to, ha or they have a workflow around some problem space that, you would like to enhance and give them better tools to find those insights faster or surface, you know, surface certain things about the data faster for them that would, you know, give them, you know, lift on their workflow and, and what they're trying to achieve. So that to me is exciting because it's not just the, you know, one of the things that with being a, a firm working on public facing works is you never, 
know what happens when you send it out into the world, right? <laughs> it's yeah, just, yeah. You launch it, it, it goes yeah, out there. Yeah. And, and Get a and few tweets. And, yeah, you yeah. get some tweets <laughs> and, and your friends all say, what a great job <laughs> hey, you did, hooray, and pat five, you on the back. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, then, and, yeah, then, yeah. and then you're done. And that's really unfulfilling to me. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it was fun for a while, and but once I... You know, once that happens enough times, the the, the fun of it wears off, and, and then you look for something more impactful and more meaningful. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's where I'm at now. Is that's a really exciting space for me to to be working with these you know small teams of people where I can I can bring this discipline into their space and help them solve their own problems. So that's mm-hmm, exciting. Yeah. And I can't you know I can't claim that any of these will be you know these handcrafted wonderful little packages <laughs> that I'm accustomed to, to building, but, the but I think that they will. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> but that's also not warranted. You know, I'm not, again, I think that taking the approach of, you know, I think this is a, like the perfect example that Elijah gave in his, when you talked to him was, you know, he said, you know, D3 is part of the problem that, um, you know, people sort of practitioners see like, oh, we'll just slap on some D3 onto this this thing and, mm-hmm. and then we'll go. Yeah, and, that's good. Oh. and I agree. That's a that's a huge part of the problem is practitioners. A lot of practitioners just see it as paint job. Right. When they need to see themselves as the architect of the building, not just the painter of the building. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that, you know, infusing that thought process here is going to be really exciting. Uh, and the paint job is much less interesting to me than the architecting. You know, it might not have a beautiful paint job, but hell, it's going to be one hell of a building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I can totally see how there's lots of need, but I mean, I think the big challenge is you cannot clone yourself like just a thousand times and, and send out <laughs> all these Kims across the company. <laughs> Unless you're working on that somehow. Um, I am working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so how, how do you, like, how do you scale the method? How do you scale like it? That, right, I think right. that, that's, that's my, my, my main question. And one I'm right. not, not clear about myself. And it's, right. But it's an, a question I get, like, when I talk to big industry, it's a question I often get. It's like, that's all very nice what you're doing there. And that's all very amazing and bespoke and so crafty. But we need something that scales. And like both the tool needs to scale, but also the, the method to create the tool. And what's your what's your feeling? Like, how, how can we get there? You know, I'll, I'll interject for a second and say that that question of how does that scale is something that could apply to any discipline in design. It does. Right. The question is, what do you value? What are you trying to learn from this? If scale for scale's sake, I wouldn't imagine that our head of data visualization needs to work on that because we have, you know, there are, there's a ubiquitous tools today that enable us to achieve scale very quickly for the sake of scale. Um, but that's not, you know, that's, uh, and in some cases, that's absolutely what the team needs. So that's what they value. That's what they need for X, Y, Z reason. Um, but this is where if you, uh, you're not trying to scale a giant, you know, we're going to have a, a one data visualization person to a uh, designer to every single person who works at this company. Sorry, Kim. Uh, you're not going to have a 40,000 person team over the next year. Uh, <laughs> maybe, I don't think so anyway. Uh, uh, but, um, but in that case, what are we creating as a criteria for the kinds of uh, initiatives that we are uniquely positioned to work on? 
Um, and in which case we have to get into values discussions, we have to get into goals discussions, we have to get into collaborative discussions where we're describing shared outcomes with our product and tech partners. As Kim said, we're positioned in design um, and we are working as a, as a strategic and thought partner and, a, and we ship with our product and, and tech teams. And so uh, it's, it's highly consultative in that, consultative in that respect. Uh, we have to be able to communicate with folks about what our shared outcomes are in order to be able to get to the paint color, right? <laughs> to be able to know what the product actually needs to be. Mm-hmm. And there's such a value on the practice here uh, as the necessary and adaptable means to an end um, that uh, enables us to be able to say, you know, Let's put scale to the side for a second, which is the human nature part about this. We got to fix this yesterday for, (laughs) you know, 60 million customers. Um, What are we trying to achieve together? Uh, Let me bring my whole brain to this before Mm -hmm. I bring my hands to this. Mm -hmm. That is a that is the nature of how Capital One works. And so to be able to understand the best system for uh, distributing the practice first is really what. Mm. Um, is going to unlock any ability to eventually scale. Mm-hmm. And if it's good enough, it will like develop feet of itself, hopefully anyways, because That's right. then it just needs to happen anyways. And then it That's will right. happen, right? That, yeah. gets back to the, that gets back to the entrepreneurial piece about yeah. this, right? That's traction. That's mm-hmm. the definition of traction. If you mm-hmm. cannot come together with product and tech in making a shared vision um, come to life in some way, super low fidelity prototype through <laughs> something that's 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 been invested in already, then you're actually missing the practice part. You've got a product without any market, without any infrastructure. And um, that's not something that 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 this that this company particularly um, values. It's not it's not part of the a sustainable business model. So it, the emphasis is really on finding that shared outcome together and, and creating roadmaps together and delivering on them and achieving them and measuring them together. And um, that's the only way that we can really make successful products together. So I'm wondering if this is also somewhat connected to the idea of, so when we talk about visualization, we can talk about a, a tool, right? Focus on, on tools or focus on, on the process or the service. And I think what, what is interesting, I think my guess is that a visualization person with, within an, 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 a company like Capital One can probably have a lot of internal customers. And the value of this kind of person is mostly about being able to talk to these people and understand what their questions and problems are and then figure out how to find the right data and how to turn this data into visualization that are insightful for them. And this mm-hmm. whole process is actually pretty pretty complex. That's right. And actually, I personally see, I see a strong visualization person as a person who is not only able to, to ter- turn data into pixels, but also being able to, to go through this all very complex and, and messy process and um, yeah, and find out to, 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 to how to help people, right? I personally believe, I, I find it a little unfortunate that data science is often equated to building machine learning models. Mm-hmm. I think actually a real data science, I, I don't distinguish personally too much between a data vis person or a data scientist. My, my ideal person would be a person who is able, as I said, to, to talk to people who have a problem, figure out how to solve it with, with data, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if this reflects some of the work that you're going to do in Capital One, but I think it's it's important to distinguish between 
also in terms of scalability, right? What, what do we need to scale? Do we need to scale in terms of building a thousand different tools or right. having people that are able to go through this complex process? Right. I mean, you, does it make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. And everything you're talking about, it's why, uh, it's why we were so psyched that Kim wanted to talk to us and then that we continued to have <laughs> conversations and she came in to meet the team, which I'll talk about in a second. And then we ultimately, um, uh, we're able to have her uh, be our head of data visualization because that expertise that you were just des- describing is part of how she works. It's how she approaches the practice, you know, her, her practice. And it is absolutely essential to be able to get at the why that makes for sustainable, uh, truly valuable, meaningful kinds of experiences, whether they be internal or external. And, um, and so we needed to find somebody who really held that as the absolute precursor to being able to do great design work. Um, and that's going to be, um, you know, uh, that's going to be part of every single uh, uh, initiative that, that, that she and her team end up uh, working on. And, and just to talk a little bit about uh, sort of the moment that, that I knew, uh, <laughs> I was like, can we make her an offer today? What do we need to do here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is because, um, you know, we'd had some conversations with her. And then um, every Thursday, I was I was mentioning at the top of this call, um, the uh, entire design team gets together. So there are a little bit more than 400 folks across 10 locations uh, on our design team at, at Capital One. And every Thursday, we get together over lunch, if you're on the East Coast, or breakfast, if you're on the West Coast. And um, we spend some time together in what's called What's Up Thursday, and What's Up Thursday is a weekly design share out. We have guest speakers come in. Folks show some of the work that they're doing. Uh, we give general updates. And it uh, is a it's a signal for our entire design culture that, you know, once a week we want to get everybody together to stay uh, in touch with the kind of work that different teams are doing across the, the company. And uh, last fall, we invited Kim to come be a presenter at What's Up Thursday. And um, this was... New, no, you know, no, nobody on on uh, the the team um, uh, knew that we were like, hmm, maybe we should uh, create a data visualization uh, uh, practice that that follows in the same sorts of footsteps that you know, design thinking or service design with adaptive path or or content strategy did. You know, this was um, this was inviting Kim to give a talk, and which, by the way, I was invited to give a talk three years ago, not at What's Up Thursday. <laughs> It turns out it's a very re- effective recruiting mechanism, by the way, okay? <laughs> um, but we sort of crossed our fingers, and Kim came and gave a talk that I think actually is on SlideShare right now and has like 800 billion views or something, um, understandably. The the talk, talk uh, really focused on uncovering um, what we don't know. And, um, and it wasn't about all of the things you can make. It was about uncovering what we don't know. And it just so happens that once you've uncovered that, you can make some things that help to illustrate that story. And even from a few different angles. Mm. And money is so intensely personal. And you can slice and dice it in 16,000 different ways per person. And every person is different, right? And and, and so, it's intrinsically numeric. Like, you know, it's, yeah, we, we, I mean, that's like the, the most number based thing we have, I think, is money, right? You can't go more quantitative yeah, than exactly. this. Exactly. Like, uh, so, 
<laughs> we ended up, you know, What's Up Thursday, she got questions. And after What's Up Thursday, I started getting emails from folks like, hey, you know, how come we don't have data visualization? Like, how can, can we hire Kim? Can we like, yeah. yeah. And um, so automatically after a 45 minute talk with, you know, having access to uh, the way that a practitioner who's so skilled as Kim is in this, um, this specialty sort of open up her brain for everybody and make it about the practice and not about the paint. Um, it was enlightening to the folks in the room and it was, it just became an instant hit. So another, yeah, just to jump in there too. Uh, I remember during my interview process, I, I interviewed with a VP and, you know, after we got through the, you know, hi, hello, chit chat, he had one question for me, which was, you know, what, something to the effect of like, what, why are you so interested in data in this space of, of banking? And I said, I want to figure out why we as humans are so illogical about money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he smiled and he said, all right, thanks, and walked out of the room. And I was like, okay. Did um, I just nail that or fail that? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Turns out I nailed it. Um, But it was so so great for me that somebody had that level of – of insight about the space that, you know, they're thinking of it too, from the top on down, like, let's figure out these big questions. Let's, you know, let's apply these multiple disciplines to this, these big questions that we still don't know, you know, and it takes a lot of different disciplines to to come to bear on that problem space, Um, which I also want to add, you know, I, going back to the scale question, um, I think part of, part of the, um, problem is that we, I think we sometimes get myopic about data visualization and think it's the the one hammer to hit all the nails when it's often I not. agree. Uh, and, you know, I hear that all the time. I hear like, oh, data vis could solve this or that. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, once you get into it, you're like, nah. You know, maybe and there's lots not of like, focus tool. on how you data vis, but not what you data vis and why you data vis get, right? <laughs> right, and, right, exactly. And so we talk a lot about the how and maybe lose sight of the what and the why sometimes. Right, right, right. right. So, so I think there's a lot of that. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things that can be solved with you know, data science, machine learning, with UX, mm-hmm. with other things, you know. Uh, with just sitting down and thinking about your problem harder instead of tr- running to somebody else to figure it out. Um, you know, put the, <laughs> put, put the data viz on it and then it'll solve all your problems, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's part of it is that we, we, you know, we see that, oh, there's a head of data viz. Now we have to apply it to the entire company. Mm-hmm. I don't really see it that way. I see, right, you know, right. there, are, there are strategic places to inject it. There are places where the tools already suit the, the need. The, I'm, my team's not going to replace Tableau, you know. There's a time and a place for Tableau, and it's perfectly fine, uh, you know. And and Tableau scales wonderfully uh, in that space. So, yeah. so I see it as you know there there are multiple types of practices within within a field that can ad- address those areas. Yeah, and I think a, a somewhat related question. So maybe this is more for Steph. Um, I think some people. In, in in industry, say that one problem with visualization is that the, the value of visualization is very hard to quantify. That's maybe the reason why in 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 some rea- in some industries, people who are hired as visualization experts are actually not taking leadership positions because it's as I said, it's very hard to quantify the value of this work. 
So I don't know how true this is, but I'm, I'm curious to hear what your perspective is there, right? Because I think it's somewhat true that it's, it's, it's not that easy to put visualization in a box and, <laughs> and figure out what is the actual precise quantifiable value that comes out of it. But this doesn't mean that it's not important, right? Right, exactly. Uh, I think Steph could speak to that as, uh, you know, the bigger issue of design in general being, you know, you could lump all of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your ex-design is basically in the same boat here. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. Similar, yeah. Um, You know, but I think that in this space of banking, there are, you know, obvious ways of (laughs) quantifying, uh, (laughs) you know, the practice when you apply it to a space. Uh, yeah, I can't speak to a tool that I just found out about a couple weeks ago here, but, uh, but there is a, you know, there is a bottom line to a lot of this, a lot of this problem areas here mm-hmm. where that we can quantify. So, um, you know, and I think that, you know, that there are lots of companies who can do that. I think that we, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's just a matter of we don't take the time to quantify it. Um, we don't take the time to, sit back and real, you know, recognize, okay, what went into this solution and, you know, divvy up the accolades to various, you know, areas because it's, you know, oftentimes, you know, or almost always a group effort between the, you know, the people who are, you know, using the tool, the people who came in at various design stages, the strategy, you know, who knows what all goes into these things. So sometimes it's hard to just pick apart um, but I think there, you know, when you're actually using these things, there's a, there's an obvious uh, way of quantifying it overall. This also gets back to the notion of uh, you know, collaboration and shared outcomes. Uh, sort of as Kim was talking about, I mean, um, first of all, the, how do you how do you describe value? What am I trying to achieve in this? And 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 are you working with somebody in data visualization to arrive at an ideal? solution and then receiving that solution it actually helps you clarify something that makes your work more effective or makes the product better or whatever it might be and if everybody says yes then that question goes away right because it's, mm. it's obvious that it's been uh, uh, qualified even so heavily um, and then measured downstream in certain ways that um, again the, the entire team gets gets credit for the shared work that they've done um, but but I think it also um, it you know, if, if I take the, if I put on my content strategist hat for a second, um, what's the value of content strategy? I don't know. Do you want to work with me? <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> if Let's I gave you out. a number, $60, you know, like, yeah. how is that helping? Like, what is, I get back to where we were, the like, what is right, the why right. of you asking that question in the first place? Mm. Um, because once I understand your value is what you're trying to achieve, I could tell you whether or not I feel like my craft or the way I approach my craft is actually going to help you achieve your goals or if there's somewhere else that uh, you're going to achieve scale or achieve whatever for a, a cent, you know, or whatever it is, it's your actual value. Um, so, so I think, uh, you know, that that question of like, you know, how, what's the quantified evidence or the ROI on this discipline is, is mm. really almost a symptom of a, of a, uh, longing to control risk or control the outcome before you've even uncovered, uh, you know, what the real problem is that you could potentially solve together. So it looks yeah. like the bottom line is, the, is that you have to work for the right company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that always on. helps. That always helps. <laughs> <laughs>
didn't have spandex in them. Like that was a great life. Okay. But, uh, but at the end of the day too, I think for, for, for the practitioners, you know, for, for any of us, no matter what our specialty is, you know, what do we value? Who do we want to work with? What problems do we want to try to solve? Uh, you know, Kim described hers. I'm endlessly fascinated about the way people talk about money and and how certain words that we might use can trigger an emotional reaction in one person mm-hmm. and another person doesn't even blink an eye on it. And like, there's something there. Holy cow, what was that? That was some, <laughs> that was some human stuff right there. Um, and being able to figure out if we can design systems that are nuanced um, especially, you know, with access to like massive amounts of data and, uh, you know, AI being able to um, serve up variable experiences still requires a designer understand why we're doing it in the first place and what the reaction is going to be on an experiential level. And that takes a, it takes a, a particular kind of uh, person to be you know, thinking through those problem statements in a way that enables the systems and teams to be successful and, and, uh, so yeah, it is about working for the right company for sure. It's about working with the right team. Yeah, yeah, very good. So I think we have to wrap it up soon. Uh, maybe one one last question I I would like to ask is: so many of our listeners are aspiring data visualization professionals. So do you have any any suggestions for them? So say there is a person who is listening to this and really wants to to become a data vis pro and and work in a company like. Capital One and having a great position. So, what would you suggest? How how do you get there? Kim Reese. <laughs> um, I have I have no idea. Um, I can I mean I can only speak in hindsight as to my ideas as to why I think uh, you know I was brought on here. I think Steph could speak to the the larger picture of why they started looking and who they were looking for exactly and who they talked to and that sort of thing and what was effective. Um, I think for me personally, it was to, or the things that I see as important uh, in in terms of getting recognized in the space and and having the opportunities to, to choose from in the space are, you know, focusing on actual impact, uh, not really, you know, going back to the paint, not just making beautifully painted buildings, but actually thinking about the building, thinking about why you did that the way you did, communicating it, not being afraid to get out and talk about it, whether that's speaking in public, writing a blog post, whatever it is, but really communicating because that's how you're able to drive your uh, visibility. People are just craving information from us as practitioners of data visualization. Absolutely craving it. Uh, there's, there's such a lack of insight around how we do what we do. I think we get in the habit as a, as a, as an industry to focus on the end product. And here's this pretty thing I made, but we don't talk so much about how we got there. And the oftentimes process. we don't even yeah. know how we got there. Mm. And it takes a lot, (laughs) takes a lot of work to go back and figure out how you got there and then to talk about it and talk about why it's meaningful and to sort of demystify and unravel and unpack that end product. So I would say that's, I think people value that so much and they sit up and take notice of, of that when you, when you share it back out to the community. So I think that that's at least one way of, of getting getting out there, more visibility, um, do the work, and then share it. Similar to what um, 
Kim's saying here. I think she, you know, there's such value in making things, generally speaking. And so uh, definitely not taking away from that the joy that comes from the creative process. You test yourself. You're learning new new skills. You try out some new tool that just came out. You see whether or not it works for you. Uh, you show people what you're making, like Kim talks about, and and adding that, you know, and that's like sort of step one. Step two is adding that layer of uh, transparency into why you made the decisions that you did or why you made the choices about using this tool over that one or, or taking it from this angle over that one. Um, that starts to enable me to understand who you are and the way that you think. And as a design team here at Capital One, we have a few values that we hold dear uh, humble, compelled, and daring. And, and this, you know, humility is absolutely required in order to listen. And if we are, if we get too proud of the things that we're doing, then we cut off what we absolutely need to be great designers, which is hearing what the need is. And if that's an internal customer or, you know, external customer, um, compelled is you're compelled by your work. You're compelled by the opportunity. And daring is because we don't, have um, incrementality um, as uh, you know as a as a norm here. It is you know what are we willing to push to make right for our customers? Like I said at the, it, or earlier, you know we are an, um, unassailable. We we have the kinds of products and services and market and are continually evolving those to be unassailable for our customers, and that's how we have to show up for our work too. And um, and so sometimes I think that really requires people to suggest things that might seem unpopular or might seem uh, like, uh, you know, out there, quite frankly. Uh, <laughs> we would never go for that, but that's the daring part. Um, mm -hmm. And so somebody who can, you know, of course, is, is a great maker and a great thinker and believes in the kinds of values I just talked about um, I'm sure that the kinds of values I just talked about are also not unique to Capital One, but they are part of Capital One's design team culture. And if that all sounds good, then uh, keep on. And maybe stay tuned for Kim Reeves posting yeah. descriptions. That's right. <laughs> Watch this space. Uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, we'll have to wrap it up. But um, yeah, we can only, I think, congratulate you both <laughs> it's, it's an improbable <laughs> yeah, match but absolutely. it seems to be a very good match and so uh, <laughs> you. Often these yeah. are the best ones. well and congratulations and on your almost 100th episode it yeah. feels good to be on the precipice here <laughs> with 99 My on the God. precipice of greatness yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're ushering in a new era that's yeah. right that's right yeah. maybe we should get you on again for number 199 and see how it all played out uh, that would be great deal um, I'm down for it yeah and Kim I hope you also will have an opportunity to share some of the work you do I think it's a very like yeah it's such a great challenge and we are really curious like what's going on and so um, absolutely this could be an inspiration to the whole industry yeah. right absolutely I know it's um It's hard to do in a company and also a regulated, highly regulated company like Capital One. Um, sure. But, uh, but it's something that I'm very passionate about. I want to give back to the community because I think it's essential for the growth of data visualization and for the people within visualization to see how it's applied in different contexts. So I absolutely want to share back. 
Yeah. As soon as I can. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Give her Wonderful. a couple more weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get settled in first. <laughs> cool. Thanks so much for coming on. This was great. And yeah, we're curious to see what's next. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, here are a few ways you can support the show and get in touch with us. First, we have a page on Patreon where you can contribute an amount of your choosing per episode. As you can imagine, we have some costs for running the show and we would love to make it a community-driven project. You can find the page at patreon.com slash datastories. And if you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be extremely helpful for the show. Just search us in iTunes store or follow the link in our website. And we also want to give you some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We're of course on Twitter at twitter.com slash datastories, but we also have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, and we also have a newsletter. So if you want to get news directly into your inbox, go to our homepage datastories and look for the link that you find in the footer. And finally, you can also chat directly with us and other listeners using Slack. Again, you can find a button to sign up at the bottom of our page. And we do love to get in touch with our listeners. So if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or know amazing people you want us to invite or projects you want us to talk about, let us know. That's all for now. See you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories. Data Stories is brought to you by Click. Are you missing out on meaningful relationships hidden in your data? Unlock the whole story with ClickSense through personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards, which you can download for free at click.de slash datastories. That's q-l-i-k dot d-e slash datastories.